backhanded by Quas. Throw home, Martyr returns on a first double play, and the Terps get out of the inning. And Wade crushes one pretty deep to right. Going back is McCarthy near the wall, looking up. See ya! Off the scoreboard in right, Lamont Wade with a solo jack, and the Terps take a 4-3 lead. Papio takes his lead, Gallant to the stretch for the first time, and Martyr crushes one deep to left center. Going back is the left fielder, Jordan, and he's going to watch it go. Cue the fireworks, Martyr goes yard, and the Terps cut it to 3-2. Brandon Loud does a hook slide to score, Wade head first into second, Terrapins all over the turf, and Maryland has a 6-2 lead. Here's the 2-0, that one is crushed. Deep to left field, Stewart on his horse at the warning track. He jumps and that ball is gone. A two-run bomb from Jose Quas, and the Terps take a two-to-one lead on the number two team in the nation. And Wade cracks one deep to right again, going back with McCarthy near the wall, looking up, it's gone. Lamont Wade with a multi-home run game. He goes deep to right again, and it's seven to four turns. And the Terps have tied the game. They have come back from five runs down here in the top of the seventh. And the Terrapin magic continues. Good evening, everyone, and welcome live to episode five of the Maryland Baseball Podcast. I'm your host, John Vitas. As we get set for a fun night of Maryland baseball, of course, today being the off day before the Terps take on Cal State Fullerton for three games starting tomorrow night. Should be a fun series from Shipley Field as Maryland takes on one of the country's best as far as history goes. A little bit of a down year for the Titans, but of course there'll be game coming to the East Coast to take on a ranked Maryland team. We have a full slate tonight on the Maryland Baseball Podcast. We'll talk about the exciting win yesterday in Lynchburg. The Terps come from behind winners in the ninth inning against a very tough Liberty team. And then we'll welcome in Phil DePace to do some analysis. He's been following the team all year as a student manager. And then last but not least, reliever Rob Galligan will join us live on the show as he will certainly be entertaining to wrap up our show tonight. So let's talk about yesterday. The Terps went into Liberty Losers in three of their last four games, and the offense had been shut down just one run in three in all three of those losses. So Maryland trying to get back on the winning side of things at a gorgeous facility in Lynchburg, and they were taking on a very, very tough Liberty team, both offensively and with the pitching. And the Flames used a lot of their best arms yesterday to try and shut down Maryland, and they did for a while, as we'll go through some of the highlights in the game from yesterday. The Flames scored the first four runs of the day as Bobby Ruse got the start for Maryland. And here were some of their offensive highlights as they jumped out to a big early lead. As that one is ripped down the line, a fair ball, and that's going to head towards the corner. No chance for Quas as that was hit well. Kawahara going to dig it out, but that will score a run. Wait, rounding third and scoring is Andrew Yasick, and stopping at second with a run-scoring double is Clay Karanen, and Liberty out to a 1-0 lead. One and one, the count to Dalton Britt. Ruse delivers, and that one is driven deep in the gap in right center. Moving back is Papio, as is Wade, tracking it to the fence, and that's going to one-hop the wall off the top of the fence as Lamont Wade barehands it and plays it in. It's an RBI double for Dalton Britt as he trades places with Karen in, and it's 2-0 Liberty. Ruse ready, begins to rock. The 3-1 pitch is lined in a right field for a base hit. Scoring is Yasek. Here comes Close. Papio's throw is cut off by Morris. It's a two-run single to right field by Clay Karanen. And Liberty has a 4-0 lead. 
So the Flames out to a hot start against Bobby Roos, who was knocked out after two and two-thirds innings of work. He actually stranded six base runners in his three different innings. So Roos, it could have been a whole lot worse for Bobby, who gave up a lot of offense to Liberty. But the Terps were still in the game at 4-0, and they began to turn it around in the middle innings. And it all started on the defensive side of the ball, as the Terps' third baseman made one of the best defensive plays of the year. As that one is hit down the third baseline, diving grab by Quas, throws from his knees and scooped out by Morris. Fabulous play by Quas and Morris at the corners, flashing some leather. And the Terps have one out here in the fourth inning. Quas laid out full extension down the left field line to save a double and bounced the throw from his knees to Morris, who made an equally as spectacular pick on an in-between hop to get the speedy Dalton Britt for out number one. So the Terps would carry that into onto the offensive side of the ball, where they finally got on the board in the next half inning. Here's the pitch, and that one is hit towards the hole, coming over as the second baseman, Karen, and he can't get it. It's in the right field. The throw by Shepard is offline. It's an RBI single for Jamal Wade, and the Terps are on the board. It's 4-1. to one. So Jamal Wade with the big two-out base knock to get the Terps on the scoreboard. As you heard, it was 4-1. to one. And then Maryland was able to manufacture a run in the fifth inning after Lamont Wade and Brandon Lau singled to begin the inning. Kevin Smith struck out, but then the Terps executed a key play on the base paths. There go the runners, a double steal. The throw to third is not in time. The Terps with a perfectly executed double steal. A huge jump by Lamont Wade at third. Even with a good throw by Sankey, no chance to get Wade as Lau into second on the back end as well. A great job by Maryland to take advantage. Karen in the second baseman was bailing way too early and Wade followed him off of second base and timed up Stafford well for the stolen base. Here's the 2-0. And Martyr towards the hole. Getting it is Karen and he has to go to first with it and he retires Martyr but the Terp score. RBI ground out for Kevin Martyr as Wade scores and it's 4-2. So some great situational baseball there in the fifth inning from the Terps. You heard the double steal executed well. Perfect timing for Coach Vaughn to put it on because on the next play, Martyr hit a ground ball, so it could have been an inning-ending double play. But instead, it drove home a run as Lamont Wade came in to make it 4-2. to two. And the Terps would continue their fine defense, and it was from Kengo Kawahara on this next play in left field. Kengo made his first start of the season in left field as Tim Lewis got his first day off, and Kengo kept the Terps in it. The 2-2 is reached for in line towards left, coming over Kawahara, and he lays out to make the grab. Kengo Kawahara saving a run for Maryland as he goes full extension down the line in left field to help Drosner get through the inning. So he carried that momentum onto the offensive side of the ball too as the Terps had Anthony Papio at third base with one out and he was set into motion on this play. Again, playing with that harness. There's a squeeze play by the Terps and they execute it to perfection. Lions has to make the spin move throw to first and he does just in time to get Kawahara. An acrobatic play by Jared Lyons. But it is a an RBI for Kengo Kawahara as... 
Papio comes home to score, and it's four to three. That was a suicide squeeze, not a safety squeeze, as Papio was sprinting as soon as Lyons started his motion. So the Terps pulled it within one with three innings left to work as their bullpen would continue to put up zeros. On the other side, Ashton Parrott was able to right the ship for Liberty, a scoreless and hitless seventh, a scoreless and hitless eighth, and the Terps went into the ninth inning with their last chance down by one. Brandon Lau would fly out to left before Kevin Smith would ground out to shortstop. So the Terps were down to their final out on the verge of being beaten on the road at Liberty, and then this happened. So close, trying to close it out for Liberty. 1-1, one, one, and Martyr strokes one towards left center, sinking quickly. On comes the center fielder. He can't make the play, and it gets past him. Martyr in a second base standing with a two-out double, and the Terps are a base hit away from tying the game as Martyr points to the bench and fires up his squad. One ball, two strikes, two outs. The Flames fans on their feet. Close is ready. The 1-2 is ripped towards third. Off the glove of the third baseman. The run won't score as Britt got it with the bare hand and pumped the throw to first. It'll be an error charge to Kimball, and the game continues. The Terps have runners at the corners. So Martyr and Quas just barely able to get on base. The double from Martyr was well hit, but almost caught by the center fielder Strusma. And the ball by Quas was also well hit, but right at Kimball, who botched it to keep the game going. And then Anthony Papio came up in the most dangerous of situations. Two strikes, two outs, Maryland down to their last pitch, and Anthony Papio kept the game alive. Sankey gives the signs from behind home plate. Close is ready. Here's the one, two. And that one is hit towards the hole. Base hit in the left field, and we're tied. Papio goes the other way, and we're tied at four. Martyr comes home to score, and he's fired up as he gives a huge high five to Jamal Wade and is congratulated by his teammates as the Terps out of the dugout to congratulate their catcher who got the rally going with the double to left center. And Maryland, after falling behind 4-0, has completed the comeback when they were down to their final strike. Two times the Terps were down to their final strike, and two times they were able to come through. So Maryland ties it in dramatic fashion, and it would only get better for the Terps from there. The next batter was Kengo Kawahara, who worked a 3 and one count. I don't think you can swing if you're Kawahara, as that one's up and away for ball four, and the Terps have the lead. Close walks in a run as Kawahara drives in another. How about that? Kengo Kawahara, five plate appearances and zero at-bats. Four walks, two RBIs, and a suicide squeeze. As now Morris comes to the plate with a chance to extend the lead. And that's up and away for ball four. He walks in another. The Terps have Alex close, dazed, and confused. And Maryland with a 6-4 lead. He has hit a batter and now walked two. And another great at-bat by the Terps. This one from Justin Morris. And that might be all for close. Standing with his hands on his hips beyond the mound. Trying to remember what just happened. So the Terps with an exciting three-run top of the ninth inning. All coming with two outs to take a two-run lead. And they brought in their closer, Kevin Mooney 
who hadn't pitched out of the bullpen in about three weeks as he had made a move to the rotation. But back in his familiar closer's role in the ninth inning, he allowed a single but struck out the two next two batters. So with two outs and a runner at first and a two-run game, Kevin Mooney did this. The North Hartford product set from the letters. Kicks, deals, strike three, and the game's over. Mooney pumps his fist, and the Terps have won it. Three runs in the ninth, and Maryland come from behind winners down to their final strike twice, and the Terps are able to come through with some clutch hits from Martir and Papio, some clutch walks from Kawahara and Morris, a team effort, and the Terps have their most dramatic win of 2015. Indeed, the Terps with their most dramatic win this season, no doubt about it. They've had come from behind wins all season, but that one with two outs in the ninth was as backbreaking as it gets as they stunned Liberty, who went home losers. The Terps now 25-10 and 10, as the Flames fell to 23-14. and 14. And we got a chance to talk to the heroes after the game. Here was Kengo Kawahara and Anthony Papio discussing their game-winning comeback. Well, the Terps 6-4 six, six come from behind one today against Liberty, and these are the heroes from the ninth inning, Kengo Kawahara, Anthony Papio. And Anthony, you had the game-tying hit. You guys were down to your last strike a couple times in that ninth inning. What was it like trying to trying to battle back against a tough pitcher in the ninth inning with two strikes because multiple players came through? Yeah, um, you know, Kevin and uh, Jose did a great job of setting that inning up um, to even give me a chance to do that. Um, and then I got down to two strikes, and I was just trying to do everything I could to put a ball in play and um, happened to scoot through the infield, so it just worked out. Take us through that pitch. What was the, what was the mindset there, the count, and what were you looking for? Um, I had two strikes. I think it was 2-2. Two, two. Um, and, you know, I was just really trying to see the ball deep, um, back the baseball up, and I think I got a changeup uh, that I just caught deep and, and drove through the six hole, so... And Kengo, you had the go-ahead walk with the bases loaded. That was your fourth walk of the game. Um, how, how much does patience help you out at the plate because you've been able to get on base a lot this year? Um, it's big. Um, it's definitely all of us trying not to do too much and you know staying within ourselves. It's a lot like how it happened in Iowa where we drew a lot of those walks too. We're all just not trying to do too much when we're down in high-pressure situations. And you know we just stay within the zone and good things happen. What does this win mean for you guys? Because you guys have had a little bit of a tough stretch here. The offense wasn't exactly clicking today either. But what was it like down the stretch being in the dugout for that comeback? Um, it was great. It was definitely a team win. It wasn't just one person doing one thing that, that got us through. That last inning you can see it was everybody setting each other up, passing it to one guy to another, and then it was everything fell into place and we did well. And Anthony, you've been here for a few years now, and obviously this is just one game, but how big of a win is this to come from behind after you guys have struggled the last few games offensively? Yeah, I think that's big for us. Um, you know, we've been good from coming from behind all year, um, and that was another good one for us. I think that's just going to give us a little bit of momentum going into this next weekend. Um, we got a good Fullerton team coming in, so that should be good for us. Thanks for the time, guys. Yep, thanks. So that was Maryland right fielder Anthony Papio and Kengo Kawahara. Some good insight from those two after the come-from-behind win yesterday. Kengo, the big walk to give the Terps the lead, and Papio, the two-strike single to extend the game and tie things up. So they gave some really uh, nice reaction to the win yesterday as the Terps 6-4 to four winners. A really exciting game from down in Liberty made the whole bus ride back a lot more exciting for Maryland as they go four hours south to Liberty and beat the Flames. As we are live here from College Park, Maryland Baseball Podcast Episode 5, Rob Galligan going to join us in just a few minutes. But before he does, we're joined by Maryland team manager Phil DePays. And 
Phil is around the Terps all season long. He goes on all the road trips, coordinates some of the road trips for the Terps, and of course sits behind home plate with the radar gun each and every day, so nobody really knows the Terps better than Phil. And Phil joins us now on the line. Are you there, Phil? Are you there, bud? Yeah, thanks for having me, John. Awesome. So you were behind home plate yesterday for the big comeback in the ninth inning, and we've seen this Terps team come back so many times, but what made yesterday so much more special? Uh, I mean, I don't know if it was necessarily that special as much as uh, stuff that we've seen all year, and that's that's Maryland brings uh, 27 tough, tough outs to the game. You know, uh, yesterday we, we scored three runs up until – the ninth inning there, but I think we really made the Liberty pitchers work, and uh, you know, obviously it came, uh, it helped us out in the ninth there, uh, scored the three runs, but uh, you know, 27 tough, tough outs from this Maryland team. Also, bullpen was uh, key, just like it's been all year. You know, Bobby Ruiz comes out, there's three innings, you know, probably not the best start that that he uh, that he wanted, but you know. Bullpen comes in, hangs up six zeros, keeps us in the game, and uh, you know those are the two biggest things that, that you saw from yesterday's game. Yeah, all the hard throwers got in there yesterday. Drosner, Robinson, Morris, Mooney, all you know, ninety-one plus, and they all put up zeros in that game. And that's been the status quo for Maryland all season long. And you mentioned the twenty-seven outs. That twenty-seventh out yesterday was by far the hardest to get for, <laughs> yeah, for Liberty. Yeah. Took them seven batters to finally get there, and of course the game had been lost at that point. Now, one other guy I wanted to bring up is Kevin Martier because he is having a fantastic junior season. A mm -hmm. little bit a little bit overshadowed statistically by Brandon Lau, who's leading the Big Ten in everything. But Martier, yeah. Martier is at the top of the leaderboards in some categories, too, and he provides another facet for the Terps that it goes it doesn't go on the statue, which is leadership, and he really ignited the rally in the ninth inning yesterday with that double to left center when the Terps really had their backs against the wall. What, what does he bring to the team, and just how important is he as the leader behind the plate? Oh, he's, he's very, very key. Fiery, fiery player. You know, kind of the heart and soul of this team. I can remember, uh, you know, at least two or three times this year where, where we've been down, we haven't been playing necessarily that great, and, and Kev, you know, steps up. Uh, you know, make, makes, uh, makes a good defensive play or comes up with a big hit. Also, you know, with, uh, you know sometimes in practice we're not playing too too good. You know, Kev, make sure you like, step up and say something, and make sure, make sure, uh, you know, putting in, in all the effort that we need. Uh, you know, Kev, Kev's so important for us. He handles the pitching staff really well. Really good receiver behind the plate. Um, you know, it's it's hard to, you know, obviously, like you said earlier, Brandon Lau kind of overshadows shatters him, but uh, it's hard to like put into actual numbers how much how much Kevin actually means to this team. So I have to ask you one last question before we let you go, and it, of course, has to do with the pitching staff. The the, yep. the starting pitching has been suspect all year, and that was the case again yesterday, and the Terps somehow have been able to overcome it time and time again with those comeback wins as the bullpen has yep. been just as good as the rotation has been bad. Now, they have to get it figured out at some point. It feels like they finally got a Saturday starter with Taylor Styles stepping up. Yep. But there has to be someone that starts the game on Sunday, whether they go two innings or whether they go seven innings. Somebody has to make that start, and nobody's been able to do it effectively all year. And we don't know who's starting Sunday, but if you were the head coach of the Maryland Terrapins, who gets the ball for you Sunday afternoon against Cal State Fullerton? Uh, with me, I don't know. It, it, it really depends. I know today Brian Schaefer threw one inning of uh, the simulated game. If he's healthy, ready to go, uh, I think it's him. If not... You know, could be a number of different people. I'm always a big fan of Ryan Selmer, 
but uh, obviously he's throwing out of the bullpen for us, and I think that's probably where he's going to stay. But I, I do really like Ryan Selmer throwing there. Um, but, you know, you could see a number of different people there. I'm not, not quite sure who who it's going to be, though. Yeah, there's so many options. I think Zach Morris is a guy who would, I would love to see get the chance just because of how... Oh, absolutely. Just because of how dominant he's been out of the bullpen. And, of course, Jake Drosner excelled in that role last year, and as bad as he was in the midweek earlier in the year, he has been fantastic in the bullpen. And mm-hmm. maybe it's that time of the year for him to heat up and finally really shut teams down because he has the stuff to do it. So uh, we'll see. But, Phil, we certainly appreciate the time tonight, and thanks for all the insight, as always. Yeah, thanks for having me, John. All right, Maryland student manager Phil DePaze joining us on the Maryland Baseball Podcast. And we get set for our final segment as Rob Galligan, the Terps reliever, are going to join us live here on the program. We'll step aside for a minute, get Rob ready to go on the line, and we'll have him when we return. You're listening to the Maryland Baseball Podcast. John Vitas welcoming you back live to College Park, Maryland as the Terps getting set for a three-game series with Cal State Fullerton beginning tomorrow at 7 o'clock and we'll be there to bring you all the action on the Maryland Baseball Network. We'll be on the air at about 6.30 tomorrow as we get set for Titans and Terps. And while we wrap up the final segment of tonight's Maryland Baseball Podcast, we are joined by the one and only Robert Galligan. Rob, can you hear us on the phone? Yeah, thank you for having me. Yeah, no problem, bud. I mean, we've had a couple of different guys on the show. I think they've had a good time. So we'll start with the serious stuff, talk a little bit of baseball, and then we'll move on to uh, the more fun side of the program. All right, awesome. All right, well, fir- first of all, you're having a career year so far. You've been in the program for a few different seasons and, you know, not a, not as big of a role as you've had this year. And we, I got a chance to talk to our color guy, Jeff Raberman, did some games um, with us over the weekend against Iowa, particularly the game where you went five and two-thirds in relief. 
and he saw you in the Ripken League, and of course, you know, I've been around the program a couple years, and he said you are just a totally different pitcher. Do you see it the same way, and can you just kind of take us through your development here at Maryland over the past few years in summer ball as well, and what's been the difference for you the past couple seasons getting to this point? Um, I think the biggest thing is just kind of just like staying positive, um, and Coach Jeff talks about this a lot, and just trusting the process. Um, college is a, definitely a big awakening for me. I'm um, just kind of understanding that you're going from high school where you're the best player um, and then coming here and you have to go back to the bottom of the totem pole and kind of work your way back up. Um, so just staying positive, trusting the process, and just doing all the little things right. And uh, I just think that the baseball gods are kind of always watching. So when you do little things right on and off the field, then the baseball gods are going to reward you. And uh, hopefully some things start going the right way and string some good outings together. And that's what I've been happy to do so far. So it's been good. I'm just happy to get some opportunities. Well, you certainly had plenty of them. 22 and a third innings pitched so far this year. 17 hits, 7 walks, 21 Ks. The ERAs in the ones. Opponents are hitting just 210 against you, so some pretty solid numbers overall. Now, you talked about the, the, the philosophical, the psychological side of pitching there a little bit, but when you talk about, you talked about putting in the, the time when people aren't looking. What have you worked on as far as pitches and velocity? Because you've upped your fastball 5 to 10 miles per hour in your four years. And other guys on the, in the Terps program, other lefties like Jimmy Reed and Ben Brewster have done the same thing. What is it about your guys' regimen that gets you ready for that junior-senior year if you're not even in a big role your first couple years? Um, well, the first couple years, we didn't really have a velocity program. Um, and then last year, we kind of slowly brought it into the program. And Coach Bellinger just kind of just said, if you want to do it last year, you can do it. Um, and I was a little bit iffy about it. I was a little sore from it. So I didn't do it and then this year um i went into it full throttle and i just said whatever happens happens kind of thing and then my velocity jumped a little bit and i just stayed true to it um so i think that's a big part of it um and then just building arm strength and again just being older and being more mature and understanding how the body works and kind of listening to your shoulder a lot more and not trying to push it and just just staying like again like my mechanics have constantly been changing and like tweaking little things and now like for the past four years my body's trying to figure stuff out, and uh, I'm just doing the little things right and having that little arm strength is big. Um, and the Vossi program is a big part of that for me. Well, it sounds so, like it's sounds like it's really big part of it. Sounds like it's really all coming together at the right time. Now, you mentioned that whole program and everything, and how you keep continuing to build up your arm strength. It almost seems like you did that over the course of the game on Sunday when you threw five and two thirds against Iowa. I mean, I don't think you've thrown that much in one game in your career. We saw you. We saw you running out to the bullpen between innings. We actually caught it on the television broadcast. What was that all about? Because we've seen you do that a few times this year. Where if you're going to go multiple innings, you run back out there, coach up the guy who's coming in after you, or if you're going back in, you continue to throw off the mound and don't even slow down. Oh, how does that help you? And why do you do that? Well, I just think I just get a little sore, um, and I just get tight. So I think the biggest thing is I just go back, throw my sweatshirt on real quick. I have a couple glasses of water, um, and then right when it gets to the first out, I go down to the pen. I do um, a little like a little um, version of the med ball program, get my shoulder going a little bit, and then I just kind of toss slightly to the catcher down the bullpen. I throw some fastballs, throw some changeups, throw some curveballs, um, and then do some arm circles, and then get back out and go back out there just to keep my shoulder loose, so I don't really lose velocity. So when I throw my first warm up pitch, it's not a huge wake up call for me. So it's almost like you're restarting the warm-up process every inning. It's interesting. Now, one question I yeah, had, exactly. yeah. one question I had for you just about the team in general. I mean, last year's team obviously had incredible chemistry. You wouldn't have made it one game from the College World Series if you didn't. 
But this year's team, to me, almost seems like the chemistry could potentially be even better. And, of course, you've been a big part of the turnaround. You were here, one of the three players that was here with Coach Backich, and you've seen Coach Chef's uh, group of coaches come in and do do what they've done. What has it been like to watch this turnaround? And I guess my, my ultimate question would be, is it possible that this year this year's team could be even closer than last year's? Um, well, I, I think the biggest part of it is just that um, that, that first fall, um, so when guys get here on campus in August or September, obviously it's a big changing point for those freshmen. Um, and the fall is just kind of the adjustment period for the freshmen. But once fall is over and we start indie, indie workouts and little team workouts in November, December, and then when we come back in January, I mean, you're no longer a freshman. You're an older guy now, and you kind of have to figure stuff out really quick. Um, so that's that's a big part of it. And we kind of explained to the younger guys that, hey, man, like, you're no longer a freshman. Like, you're an older guy now. We need to rely on you. You had your little – you had your growing pains. You had stuff to figure time. You had time to figure stuff out in the fall, and it's time to get back at it and get after it because we need you right now. If we're gonna make a run of this thing, um, in regards to chemistry, um, I think that it's just letting the freshmen know and letting the younger guys know that. I mean, as an older guy, I think it takes a lot and it takes a lot of maturity for the older guys. And I think that um, Papio and Roos are the same way. Um, they kind of just know that it doesn't matter what grade you are in, um, as long as you can help out the team and contribute a lot then we're going to, it doesn't really matter how old you are. So, and we want every single guy to do as well as we can. Um, so just kind of almost enabling others to act um, and letting those freshmen know that, man, like just do your thing and you're here for a reason and have some fun. I think that's a big part of it is just having fun and just trying to stay loose and playing loose. And when you play loose, good things happen because every single guy's here for a reason and you just have to trust yourself. And I think that once that comes together and once everyone starts figuring out a role, and I think we're going to make a run at this thing, and I think we got a really special team here. Um, and then just the pieces are slowly starting to come together, and I think we're going to make a run at this thing. Well, I certainly hope it happens. Now, you mentioned all that confidence talk, and that seems to be a big reason for your turnaround individually. One thing that color guy Jeff Raberman noticed, too, on Sunday, he said that you're exuding an air of confidence and a presence on the mound you haven't before. Do you see it the same way? You said in the press conference after the game that if you go out there nervous, you're just bound to fail and that confidence is everything. Where have you been able to get that confidence from this year to, to really turn things around statistically and get those innings in big spots? Um, well, like the first two years, Coach, Coach Jeff always said that um, whatever you think is going to happen is probably going to happen. Um, so when I listened to that, I kind of just brushed it off. But this year, I kind of just took it to heart, and I just saw myself having success. And every single batter, every single pitch, before I even threw it, I would visualize it happening. So uh, whatever the sign comes down right before I throw it, when I take out my deep breath, I visualize where I want it to go, and, and I kind of just hope it goes there. Um, and then I just execute my pitches and, again, just have some fun and just staying confident with it and staying loose and not putting too much pressure on myself because I know that my stuff and my preparation and everything leading up to this point has given me the ability to succeed. And I just want to continue to succeed. And again, just being nervous, it just means they don't really have confidence in yourself. And I think that I'm old enough to finally realize that my stuff is up to, up to par and up to standards. And I just got to have confidence in my stuff because I'm going to do the best I can to get guys out and do my thing. Well, and the array and the ones will certainly help your confidence too. Now you're a long Island guy from Syosset. Well, one question I wanted to ask, because it's a, it's, a, uh, it's a tight niche of people up there in Long Island. What do you miss most about being up on the island? We're going to start with some of the fun questions now. <laughs> um, I think <laughs> the biggest thing is that waking up in the morning and having uh, bacon, egg, and cheese from that local deli. There's nothing better than that. There's not like it. They don't have that stuff down here. 
um, the bagels. I was about pizza. to say. Uh, yeah, the bagels and the pizza. There's something in that water up there that's pretty good, man. They always credit it to the water. Never really sure why, but the bagels up there in New York, and I'm from North Jersey, for some reason, bagels always pizza. always a little bit superior than, yeah. than everywhere south. Now, you're a Mets fan, too, I hear. Yeah. Now, I, I am as well, yeah. and I just have to get your take on the team, you know, being a guy who's been around baseball for a while. I want to hear, on a scale of 1 to 10, how confident are you in this team to make the postseason? And then, if you are confident, what makes you so happy with this squad? The postseason? Um, I mean, I want to say a 10, um, so I'm going to say a 10 on here. Um, and I just think that a lot of guys are returning. Um, if these, some of the guys that are injured, I hope they come back. And I think having Harvey and a little bit of experienced uh, pitching staff, I think that they're bound to have success, and hopefully they can figure some stuff out. Now but it, we, we need the postseason. Last postseason I remember is, I think it was 06 in the NLCS when uh, Chavez made that catch and left. I'll never forget that. And then, again, 2000. I think those are the last two playoff appearances we've had since I can remember. Yeah, those are the last two. And, of course, the Chavez game was also the Adam Wainwright big curveball. So us Mets fans remember the last yeah, playoff what was that? Game six. That was game seven of the uh, the NLCS. The Mets were game one seven, yeah, NLCS, yeah. One inning away, and of course they haven't been in the playoffs since. So it's been nine years now. It's about time. Yeah. Now this question comes from one yeah. of your fellow pitchers. Well, actually, let me ask you this one first. Any pitcher you've watched with the Mets that you've tried to emulate or see a little bit of yourself in, or even just not on the Mets? Um, I th- I mean I just think that I mean I've uh, every major league players there for a reason um so i just kind of watch the lefties and kind of pick and choose um which guys and which things i like and which things i want to do um but going back to like the preparation stuff and kind of like where stuff is going um last year i was like messing around with my grip on my curveball um and i saw a thing on tv i kind of liked it and then i was messing around with it with Stanette, with jake Stanette. um last year we were just throwing and he was like, hey, like, uh, let me see your grip for a second. He saw it, and he was like, all right, well, like, try this kind of thing. And I tried that, um, and it just it felt a little weird, but it started working for me, and it started clicking. Um, so that's one of the biggest things for me is that I just I started doing that, and I started getting comfortable with doing that. Um, and that's kind of the reason why my curveball has been more consistent. I've been able to do more things with it. Um, and then teach some younger guys, kind of do the same thing and developing the younger guys. Now, we got a couple of questions from your teammates. We're going to start with one from one of the other pitchers on the staff. Mike Shawaran wants to know what your worst fear is. My worst fear? Correct. Oh, snakes, 100%. What makes, them, even close. What makes them so scary? Uh, just, just creep me out. They give me the willies. Snakes, man. All right, we'll move on to the next one. <laughs> now, if you had to pick eight snakes. If you had to get it in, in an elevator with a teammate, say the elevator got stuck and you were there for an extended period of time, who would you want to? Uh, who would you, who would you want to get stuck with? Number one, no one. <laughs> now I wouldn't want to get in the elevator with any of these guys because I know they'd bust my chops the entire time. But freshman year, we were at uh, UCLA, um, and we're at the hotel. It's late at night. We just got done practice like ten thirty, eleven, um, and they just thought it'd be funny. Hey, like let's cram everyone on this elevator. So we had about 23 guys in this elevator and we figured out the math and we were 4,300 pounds overweight and we were stuck in this elevator between one floors one and two for like 45 minutes. Like it was the worst thing of my entire life. And just, it was so bad. Every single guy asked Papio, asked Bob, 
elevator experience freshman year at UCLA was the worst thing that we've done in our four years. Well, that just sounds like a terrible idea. Yeah, it was tough, man. It was just bad. And we, we were stuck in the back because we were freshmen. It was tough. Oh, man. And that's that's not a good idea from the beginning. And uh, I guess that's some team bonding. Oh, to, yeah. Team bonding to the max, I suppose. Now, team bonding uh, to the max. Literally just completely crammed. Now my next question is along the same lines, but if you had to, it's a little bit, a little bit more on the positive side. If you had to spend a nice, intimate one-week vacation with any teammate, who would you take, and where would you go? <laughs> uh, oh my god! Oh man! This might be the best one of the oh, day. No. Yeah, I think. Yeah. <laughs> um, I would definitely go somewhere where it's nice, nicer weather. Um, and you got to go somewhere, oh man, I don't know who I would take. I, <laughs> the intimate words kind of throw me off a little bit here. Let's disregard that. Um, you got to go with someone that's kind of having some fun. Um, but if I were to say that, one of the probably, <laughs> oh man, I don't know, probably, probably go with Bob. Bob's always having fun. You can always have a good time with Bob. No matter how good or bad the situation, you always have some fun with Bob. So Mr. Ruse is accompanying you on this, this exotic vacation. Mr. Roos is definitely accompanying me on this vacation. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's skip ahead to the next one now. Let's leave that be. If you had to pick one guy to play you in a movie, who are you casting? Play me in a movie? One actor. Oh, man. I don't know. It, kind of de- it depends on the type of movie. But if I go comedy, it's definitely Vince Vaughn. Well, if it's a Rob Galligan um, biography, it's got to be a comedy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think Vince Vince Vaughn would definitely Vince Vaughn would definitely be the guy for me. Okay, <laughs> I like that one. Um, yeah, definitely Vince Vaughn. Yeah. Now, uh, now this one comes from your starting shortstop. He says you drive a Jeep. Is that true? Yes. Now, if you had to hop in that Jeep by yourself and go on a long trip, what's the first song you put on the radio to jam out to? Oh man, it it, it kind of depends on what's hot at the time, but it's definitely. It's definitely a little girly. I'm thinking like some T-Swift or something along those lines to kind of get me in the mood and get me right for this trip. Well, now we have some fun and sing along to it right right off the bat. Well, now we know why Kevin asked the question. Wanted to get that out in the uh, in the yeah. public. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm comfortable with it. That's okay as long as long My as. Voice, you, on the other hand, I'm not with. As long as you're cool with it, I think we can we can all deal with it now. <laughs> if, oh yeah. If you had to go on one game show or reality show, which would it be and why? Oh man, um, that's tough. Um, I have no idea. Are you I'll more take of a, a pass you, on that one? I'll get back to you. Okay, we'll come back to that at the end. Where's in? Where's in? I was just gonna say, are you more of a game show guy or a reality show guy? That could be our uh, our follow up if you don't have a specific show you you're right. dying to yeah, be. Yeah, I don't have anything right now, but I'll get. Oh no, not right now, but I'll get back to you. Okay, we'll come around to that one at the end. Now, you've been in the bullpen for four years, so you've spent a lot of time out there in the corners and beyond the walls with you know, all your best friends. Now, they, they call the bullpen pitchers kind of the, the jokesters of the team. They like to have a lot, a lot of fun. What are some of the funnier and, and more PG things that you guys do out there that you can share with the people listening? Um, well, I just think that part of it is just kind of just always having fun. Um, the joking, it really all depends, but... I mean, we just kind of always like to have fun and just always, it's usually just storytelling. Uh, um, so someone always has a, a 
bundle of stories for the day. Um, so Bob has some, Bob always has some stories. When Jones is around the team, Jones has some stories. Um, so just, we just kind of bounce some stories off each other or even like stories of, uh, backage days. Those, those were always crazy and just telling the younger guys what it used to be like playing for backage. Um, stuff, stuff like that. So nothing to do with the actual game going on that night. Um, that was the more serious stuff, but on the joking stuff, so it was always two stories. But I mean, obviously with the game and stuff like that, we'll always kind of put our two cents in, no matter how ridiculous it is. Okay, now the next question is back more towards you. What are two or three things on the Rab on the Rob Galligan bucket list? Two or three things on the Rob Galligan bucket list. Um, I think one of them is definitely to see to see a game. At uh at every stadium to see a major league baseball game at every stadium. Very good. Um, I think that'd be kind of cool. Um, that's like twenty nine like thirty uh, things right there. Yeah, exactly. Um, but that's like kind of just one. Um, oh man, that's tough. Um, um, we just did this the other day. Pap and I just did this the other day too. Oh, I can't remember what I said. I had some good ones though. Oh man. Um Yeah, I think that's that's one of the biggest ones right now. Okay, that's... Oh, and uh, Pat wants to go noodling. What is noodling? With the uh, in the Chesapeake. Uh, it's like uh with like catching catfish or something like that. I thought that was kind of cool. Okay. Look it up. Look it up online. It looks kind of sweet. All right, we'll, yeah. we'll we'll Google it after the show. Now, yeah. What's yeah. the what's one weird thing about Rob Galligan that nobody knows? I'm pretty superstitious. Like I'm really, really superstitious. What's the What's I the mean, most if, superstitious if thing you've done? Right, I'll do things. I was just gonna ask you what was the What was the most superstitious thing you've done? Um, I mean, like I'll like whether if things are going good, I'll wear the same sliders before every for every game. So like, and I'll put my clothes on like the exact same way when things are going good and then when things are going bad, like I'll change it up. Um, but like, or I'll wear the same stuff to the training room, wear the same thing post game, put my, again, put my clothes on the same way, listen to the same songs. Uh, it's like all just routine for me. Just superstition. I'm really, really superstitious. Pretty typical so baseball, part of it. pretty typical baseball stuff, but it makes sense. Now, yeah, I'll, I'll, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Last thing I wanted to ask you now, We've developed a little bit of a nickname for you and Bobby Roos because, of course, you guys are pretty much linked. You've been here for four years, a big part of the pitching staff. Now, our other color guy, John Lewis, likes to call Bobby uh, Rubber Arm Roos. Now, because of how much you've pitched this year, yeah. you've you've pitched multiple times on weekends, we've moved on to Rubber Arm Rob and Rubber Arm Bob. How do you feel about those nicknames? We have permission to oh, continue to use them. I, I love it. I, I love it, yeah. Oh, okay, good. It's a dynamic we, duo. Because rubber arm, rubber arm Bob doesn't have the ring to it unless it comes after rubber arm Rob. So you guys will forever, oh, yeah. you guys will forever be linked on our broadcast. Oh yeah, I love that. It just flows off the tongue better. Without one, it doesn't sound good. I love it. Perfect. All right. Well, we certainly appreciate the time today. <laughs> that's all. Uh, that's all we got for you. Hope. Uh, hope it wasn't too much. No, not at all. Anytime. I'm happy to do it. Thank you for having me. It yeah, was awesome. No problem, Rob. Good luck the rest of the way. Thanks, guys. Appreciate it. Bye. So that was Maryland relief pitcher Robert Galligan joining us today on the Maryland Baseball Podcast. 
a lot of great stuff to talk about. Baseball, not baseball, no matter what it is, Rob always up to have a nice, fun conversation. So that'll just about do it for our show tonight. We hope you enjoyed everything we brought to you this evening. Of course, a lot to get through with that Liberty game yesterday. We got to recap all of that as the Terps now 25-10 and 10 on the year and a huge win over a non-conference rival in the Flames as the Terps play them pretty consistently. So those two are really starting to develop a rivalry, some close games, and of course, located relatively close in proximity too. So they'll play again later this year in College Park, and you certainly wouldn't want to miss that game. And you don't want to miss these this weekend's games either. Cal State Fullerton coming into town tomorrow night at 7 o'clock. The Maryland Baseball Network will be there to bring you all of that. And also be sure to check out a couple of features on our website, MarylandBaseballNetwork.com. Matt Present did a really nice piece on the Chef Boys. Of, co- of course, Coach John Chef's sons, JM and Sam are the ball boys and bat boys for the Terps, and they're at most of the home games, and Matt did a great job showing how much of a a part of the program they really are. And also Dan Servadidio doing a piece on Mike Schwarren's winning ways. That also is on MarylandBaseballNetwork.com. So we hope you enjoyed the podcast tonight. Episode 5 is now a wrap for everybody on our crew, including your host, John Vitas. Good night.